When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, Bulls Nation, and welcome in to the CHGO Bulls Podcast, presented by PointsBet. Don't forget that promo code CHGO when you sign up to live your bet life. Kicking off a fresh week. Summer has arrived, question mark, finally, in Chicago. I'm Matt. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. My guys are here with me. Will the Goat Gottlieb. He's on Twitter at Won't Gottlieb. Big Dave is at Balby AWL Sports. And it's Monday, so you know what that means. The fourth what? musketeer, Mark K, hanging out with us. He's on Twitter at MK Hoops. How's everybody doing, gentlemen? Well, thanks, guys. How are you guys? It's like the one of three days in Chicago before summer gets way too hot and after winter and spring get way too rainy. Mm-hmm. And it's just bliss for like two and a half days. So I'm enjoying yep. it. Yep. Exactly what's what what's too hot for you guys? I feel like... like- 22 oh. degrees my temperature would be like steaming over there oh yeah, yeah 20, you're, you're one of those weirdos super, who uses celsius right yeah normal people yeah one of those AKA the rest of the world <laughs> now no we rock with fahrenheit um any i don't know about you you guys will and dave but to me anything above 85 is like too hot yeah i would even uh, go like 80 yeah 80 i'd go 80 80 right yeah. 80 is yeah, hot. i'd go 80 is too hot give me 75 or 70 Yes, and, yeah, that's yes, awesome Dave. for me. I like option weather. I like, you know, I like to be able to choose what I wear and not the sun telling me what the hell I need to wear. So, yeah, I like option weather, sir. Not you, Matt. Matt, Matt just is butt naked all the time. So, <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> different. Forecast says it's going to be 84 degrees tomorrow. I'm wearing shorts, tank top, a Burks to the studio. Get ready. Will, Will you're about to meet Summer Peck. Uh, only few have. Uh, I'm sorry <laughs> in advance. I can't wait for happening. this honor. It's happening. <laughs> it's special. Come on. What are you talking about, Dave? Everybody loves when, it's, when I. That's a word for it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see anything written in writing about what we are and are not allowed to wear to the studio slash office. Hey, listen. I did not see a no tank top rule. I did not hey. see a no Burks rule. When I first took this job, my very first question was, can I wear a hat? Literally. <laughs> so Literally it's always better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> yeah, bingo. So. Absolutely right. So you'll you'll be okay, Matt. 
Uh, speaking of asking for forgiveness, are you guys ready to talk about Patrick Williams? <laughs> JK, Mark, I'm not going to make you apologize for anything. I was just wondering, waiting, I was trying to connect the dots there. What am I What am I saying sorry for exactly? Yeah, right. <laughs> for not believing in Patrick. That's oh, what. Oh, uh, we're on. continuing our, our string of player evaluations from the 21-22 Chicago Bulls season. This week, we're kicking off with Patrick Williams. Uh, so we will give out our grades, talk about his offseason and projection for next season. And then uh, with the remaining time we have at the back end of the show, we'll talk about Jokic being named MVP and then also uh, some of these playoff games from the weekend, if we've got time to squeeze that in as well. All right, gentlemen, let's uh, let's dive into Patrick's grades. Um, I love how for offense, all three of you guys went with C minus. I'm guessing as we did last week, we, we weren't like comparing notes before putting in these grades. Um, obviously a small sample size, just 17 games played the first five of the season fractured wrist in that game against the Knicks. Then comes back in mid to late March plays the final dozen regular season games plays in all five playoff games. Um, but offensively, Mark, let's start with you compared to maybe what you were hoping to see from Patrick. Why the C minus? For me, I, I guess offensively, the only thing I really wanted to see from Pat was was shooting, jump shooting, because that's what the team was desperate for when he came back. Like we all knew about the Bulls' you know struggles from three point line, the fact that they were bottom of the league in, in three point attempt rate. Like that's what I wanted him to see from him, and like I thought that would be the easiest way for him to find a place within the offense. It's what the offense desperately needed. Playing around Vooch, Levine, and and Demai, you need that fourth guy or that power forward guy to be a spot up shooter. Um, we, we can talk about if that's Pat or not, but nonetheless, like in terms of what I was expecting, which was very minimal, I guess I wasn't expecting to do stuff off the bounce or to come in and, you know, average 15 points a game or something like that, given the amount of time he lost, but like, I was expecting the three point volume to be a lot more than what it was. And his three point attempt rate was, you know, amongst the lowest on the team, which is not good enough for me. Uh, like the fact that his three point attempt rate was lower than Javante Green's, Derek Jones, Jr.'s, IO's, like. That can't really be the case to me for, for, for Pat as well. Like I, I feel like his three-point attempt rate needs to be up around 40 to 50% for this team to to maximize itself offensively. And, you know, his, his three-point attempt rate was only 28%. So that, that's not high enough for me. Um, and given that I, I was only hoping and expecting him to do one avenue of things on offense, um, he, he didn't really, I guess, pass that grade for me in that sense. Will? Nor did he do enough any you know in other areas to maybe necessarily make up for that. Right. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I was going to go. And just to kind of like zoom out and give context, we all know he missed, uh, I think it was 55 games with the wrist injury, ended up playing 65. 17, 65, um, ended up playing only 17 games. And he shot 53% from the field, 52% on threes. But to Mark's point, super low volume over a really short period of time. So I think for me, those numbers are great. You'd rather see higher percentages than lower percentages, obviously. Yeah. But I tend to agree with Mark that like the sample size here is not really big enough for me to be confident in his shooting ability, especially when you couple that with just watching him play and seeing how hesitant uh, he is to shoot those threes, seeing how many times he passed them up against uh, in that Buck series. Um, and then, you know, he just, he didn't really wow me or even show very many flashes with the exception of kind of that Timberwolves game, the last game 82 of the season um, in terms of being able to create his own shot or uh, 
uh, just aggressively go to the basket. So for me with a young player, obviously the 20 years old thing and um, he's still developing and trying to navigate his way into the offense with a bunch of now veteran players. Um, I just wanted to see at least some more flashes and I don't really feel like I saw enough there. Yeah, I think the three of us saying C minus is basically saying we didn't see enough, but he's not trash. And right. I think that's like the bottom line of it. We, I mean, you didn't even see 20 games from him. Um, just, I mean, this uh, taking away the uh, five playoff games, but you didn't see 20 regular season games from him. So it's just hard to evaluate that. But and the game that I really saw him doing what I wanted to see him doing, which was finding his own offense because no plays were going to be run for him. So I wanted to see if he could find his own offense uh, within the system. I saw him starting to do that in that Knicks game. And then, then he was gone, like, and he was out of there. So, and he came into those four games, he was injured playing in those four games. So it's really hard to evaluate that. But at the same time, when he came back, uh, yeah, just looking like he didn't want the basketball, you know, like Will said, looking scared to shoot the ball. Um, but then you get to Minnesota and he's like, I'm the best player in the world. And it just goes crazy. But again, he wasn't playing against, you know, higher up competition, but he did play solid, I thought, in the playoffs. Uh, I saw a little better from him from that. But that C minus was more for the regular season. And it's more of an incomplete. If you want to call it an incomplete, I, I think that's an acceptable grade as well. Um, but yeah, he's he's not trash and there's something there, but there wasn't enough for me to say you should get higher than this grade right here. And I think the one other thing I'll add on that is I totally agree that, you know, a lot of it is just like we can't really tell what was going on there because so many weird things happened to his season. So like for me, it just comes down to like what is his mentality and what is like did he show like a lot of feel for the game? And I think he showed moments of it, particularly in that Minnesota game. But the fact that like Billy had to call him out publicly on multiple occasions and be like, this dude has no foundation for having an NBA professional career. Like he just came in and was double fisting chicken parm. Like <laughs> I forgot that, about the chicken parm quote. It was I'll so never good. forget the chicken. That was like one of my favorite <laughs> quotes of all time. Um, like the fact that he basically had to just like publicly call this guy out every day to try to get him to like attack the basket you shouldn't have to do that so for me um it was disappointing in that sense but um certainly a lot there like i guess he left a lot of meat on the bone in terms of there's a lot more he can do and i think this summer going into next year working with damar and we can get into all of this i'm, I'm more optimistic about him than the like c minus grade would indicate if that makes sense mm-hmm Oh, that's fair. Look, I, I gave him an incomplete. Dave kind of just, you know, mentioned that being another alt, you know, an alternate route you could go if you're trying to grade Patrick this season. I gave him incompletes across the board, offense, defense, and overall. I gave him a specific meathead grade, and we'll get to those in a little bit. But, I mean, I just – my biggest frustration was trying to figure out what Bulls fans wanted from him when they were like, well, he, you know, he only took X amount of shots tonight. And I'm like, you mean behind – DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and Vooch. Like what I people who were thinking that he was going to have some significantly larger offensive role. And yes, his offensive role actually shrank a bit. This he took 7.4 shots per game his rookie year. That was down to six 
this year. Again, small sample size, only played 17 games. But what did you expect? The Bulls went out and got two all-star caliber scorers in DeMar and Vooch to pair with the all-star caliber teammate Pat already had in Zach Levine. I, I mean, if, if anything, I, I would say that I'm I'm with Mark on the would, – would have loved to see him get some more threes up uh, and, and him talking about that attempt rate because even that was down. Uh, he took 1.9 threes uh, per game his rookie year. This year, just 1.7, especially considering at the rate at which he hit them. And us talking about, especially once this team lost Lonzo Ball, for the love of God, where are you getting your three-point shooting from? And he knocked down a bunch of threes in that playoff series against Milwaukee. But in the regular season, he didn't even take two threes per contest, despite the fact that he shot them at a clip of 51.7%. He was shooting over 50% on his threes and only took two per game. Maybe that's just because that was all that was available to him versus – those arguing it's not that that was all that was available to him it's just he wasn't aggressive enough trying to get his shots get the ball and get the ball up when he had the ball so i'm somewhere in the middle there on that argument of well, he wasn't aggressive enough on offense versus like well what did you want him to do he's you know especially in once he he started the season as a starter came back off the bench and then eventually earned his starting job back he's he's offensive option number four at best in those starting lineups so you know, and and as Dave touched on, when he wasn't, when he was when he was playing on some of those shorthanded rosters down the stretch, then you saw him actually say, "Okay, I can score, and I can put my my stamp on this game on the offensive side of the ball." I still believe that that part of Pat is in there, but will to your point, I am a little bit concerned about if he has that aggressive mentality of as he develops and as he ages and enters the prime years of his NBA career, ideally putting his foot down and saying, give me the damn ball. It's my turn to score. But I mean, he's, he's, he's playing a supporting role on offense this season. And, and I, I don't it, have a lot of issues and, and bones to pick about that. I think there's sort of a middle ground between just stand in the corner and catch and shoot when you're open. And like this Minnesota game where he shot, I think 21 field goal attempts. Like if you remove that game, his field goal attempts per game goes all the way down to five, um, 5.1 attempts per game. So he's, and Billy said this too, a million times that like, he's got to be able to like create offense for himself within the flow of the larger offense. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. Damar, Zach Vucevic are going to have the lion's share of usage here, but like, that doesn't mean that he just has to stand in the corner. There are still opportunities for him to, you know, whether it's attack closeouts or, you know, running some sort of secondary offense when the ball gets reversed. Like he just, he didn't really show anything. And I think it becomes even more disappointing when you see, Oh, look at this Minnesota game where he scored 35 points on 21 shots and he got to the free throw line. Um, you know, what was it? 14 attempts like that. Mm-hmm. He's got this player in there. And so it's it like, it almost moved his grade down for me even further because I know he's got that. Yeah. And I would say it's not it's not for me, it wasn't frustrating. I mean, disappointing. Excuse me. It was more frustrating uh, seeing that than anything. And look, it's not a it's not like a Lowry marketing situation where you you need him to be that number two dude on your team, at least that number two guy on your team uh, to be successful. And he just wants to stand in the corner and shoot threes all day. It's not that situation. Pat is allowed to, I guess, take his time and grow within this kind of thing. 
because he's not going to be a main option in the offense. You're like, dude, can you get rebounds? That, that was another thing I wanted to see this year. Like, start getting rebounds. Like, he's too, he jumps too high and he's way too damn big to not get at least six, seven rebounds a game. And I wanted to see that. And that injury also was going to make him go slower as well. I think that played into that also. You know, it's going to take his time. He's got to get comfortable and get more sure of himself. So a guy who's not, who wasn't sure of himself already has to battle another hurdle of getting sure of himself with this injury before he could deal with this next hurdle of, am I good enough to take this shot? Am I good enough to make this move? Am I good enough to put it on the floor? Am I good enough to be on the floor? So he had to couple, get over that mental hurdle first of the injury to get to those next hurdles. So you just saw him kind of jumping them. I thought by the playoffs, he started playing normally. Like I would be comfortable with him getting, you know, double doubles, like 10 points, 11 points, nine, 10 rebounds and things like that. And I like that aspect of his game by the time it got to the playoffs. But yeah, in that regular season, I thought, yeah, he was just, he was just figuring it out, man. Like, that's hard for a young that's guy. Allowed, yeah. Yeah. It's hard for a young guy who's not coming in being, being the man on a college team or anything like that, coming into this lineup, playing the power forward position and being asked, you know what I'm saying? To just do more for this team. Cause dude, you need, you need to shoot this. You need to do this. You need to do that. And he had to figure that stuff out. I'm not absolving him at all <laughs> because it was frustrating to watch him pass that basketball where he's got wide open shots and not put it on the floor and get to the bucket. And like Will said, watching that Minnesota game, you're like, oh, my God, this dude got 30-something in him. Where the hell is this every damn night? And that's what's frustrating about it. So I hope he's taking that into the offseason when he spends those uh, summers and mornings and nights in hell with DeMar DeRozan and grows his game. Well, to me, it is like Larry Marketing situation in the sense mm. that – I knew you were going to – that mark i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> well i mean it's it's essentially the same conversation we're begging for this dude to be part of the offense like how many times did we spend you know years talking about lowry like wh- why isn't he you know taking x number of shots why 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 aren't the guards getting him the ball why isn't he being more forceful to me it's the same conversation in that sense and like patrick williams's usage of this season albeit on 17 games, was exactly the same or virtually the same as it was in his rookie season. Like, he is a passive player. And I'll get into that more when we get into our meathead grades. But, like, this is maybe just who he is. And it's not necessarily part of, you know, who he is, so so to speak. But coming back to your point, Will, like around there being a, a middle ground in terms of the offense for Pat, like, you know, obviously he's going to be shut out some because you've got Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic, and that should always be the case. Anyone who wants the offense run through Pat when you've got those guys on, on the floor is just kidding themselves. But in, in thinking about that, like the Clippers game was a perfect, for me at least, a perfect example of the work that I would I would minimum expect from Patrick Williams, where he had those two corner threes, he had those two huge dunks where he was cutting off, uh, you know, cutting off the ball and. Javante Green, in that sense, is the baseline. You know, Derek Jones Jr. is the baseline. Like, they showed that they could do stuff in the offense by moving and that they can get the ball. So, like, part of it is, yes, that Patrick's going to be frozen out because he's playing with, you know, two lead guards who want to do stuff on ball. But at the same time, there's always going to be an opportunity in that offense for Patrick Williams. One of the things that annoyed me all season was, you know, fans whining about Billy Donovan not getting Patrick Williams looks. Like, are you telling me that <laughs> that Billy doesn't want Patrick Williams to do anything in offense? Are you telling me that Karnaschovas and, and Eversley don't want 
uh, Patrick Williams doing anything on offense, just sitting there standing in the corner. Do you, do you actually think that's by design? Do you actually think that they're comfortable with him just being stationary there and not moving off ball? Absolutely not. So that that was one of the things that annoyed me all season. And to me, I think it's just a natural tendency for Pat to, and in the same way it was for Lowry, to, they're, they're more than happy to be team guys, more than happy for others around them to sort of uh, do their thing. They're, they're selfless to a point where it's almost become selfish, I guess. So um, that's something that needs to be corrected next season. I don't know if it can because maybe it's just a natural tendency. Like Larry is still that same dude five years in. Are we going to be thinking and talking about Pat, you know, at the same way in five years? I, I hope not, but I, I think it's it's plausible. The same way we did the same thing with Wendell Carter as well. Like sometimes it's just tendencies. See, well, I need I need you to break that down for me a little more though, because the reason it's not the same with Lowry, because like I said, like Lowry, we were dependent on him. He had to be that dude for the Bulls to be successful. And I don't think, well, at least me, let me speak for myself. I wasn't looking at Patrick Williams to be that dude for the Bulls to be successful on this team this year or even going into next year. Like, I'm okay comfortable with him being a fourth or fifth option on his team, whereas Lowry, I'm like, no, you've got to be that guy if we're going to be have any chance of winning. So it was more a disappointment watching Lowry do those things than it was Patrick for me. Can you kind of uh, break down your your side of that? Well, I mean, it's, it's dependent in the sense that like we come back to the shooting perspective or, you know, when the ball swings to the opposite, opposite side of the corner or whatever it may be, it's depending at that point that he doesn't record scratch threes and any offensive advantage created at that point by DeMar or Zach that he doesn't stop and think before shooting the ball. Like that, that to me is hugely important. And like with this offense, the way it's structured and the fact that there is no shooting on this team, hopefully that changes going forward. But you just you just can't have players like that that, that are going to turn down shots. And you can say the same thing about Io towards the back end of the season as well. Like he was doing the same thing that you know Demar and Levine would would spend you know valuable seconds of the shot clock creating time to create an advantage, and then all of a sudden the ball swings, gets to someone like Pat or Io, and whatever advantage that was created is just dissipates because they they think or they don't do they don't shoot as the minute they get the ball. So that to me does matter, and like in terms of the dependency of this team going forward, like I would argue like the ceiling of this team is, is going to be dictated by Patrick Williams. So in that sense, maybe he's more important now than what he would have been last season where you, you were effectively like in, in a mini tank type thing or, you know, some sort of rebuild where you clearly weren't going to be winning many games. Whereas now, like when you're going to be capped out, when you're essentially running back the same team and we're talking about internal growth and that being the next step for the team in terms of, getting to a higher ceiling, I would argue now that Pat's probably more important than he's ever been. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Something I wanted to talk about during the sort of overall section of this is just like, what do the Bulls need from him? What do they need him to become? And it makes me think of teams like the Warriors and Jordan Poole, who mm. is obviously like 20, 22, 23 years old. And he needed to turn into this guy to turn into what he is now in order for the Warriors to reach the level, to get back to this level that they're at. Cause like Clay's just not that guy anymore. He's awesome at what he does, but what he does is not 2016, 2017 Clay. So it like, it, it would almost be better for the Bulls if Patrick became so good that he had to be the second option or the first option. Like that would be the ideal scenario. And so, um, you know, obviously a lot of that comes back to mentality and like, is he willing to, sort of put his foot down and involve himself. But like I said before, I think there there's more, there's a middle ground here where it's not like he's just totally hijacking the offense and taking every single shot and like 
preventing DeMar from getting the ball, but he also needs to like evolve into a player that's like going to be able to do more than just catch and shoot three quarter threes in a game. And I'm not getting no, no Patrick Williams hot sauce sent over to me from Finland either. I'm not doing that. <laughs> that's because he's not from it. Finland, Dave. Exactly. That's my point. I went international for that man. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Uh, still ahead, we got we got to get to our thoughts on Patrick's defense, uh, our meathead grades. That's all on deck. But first, Big Dave, tell the people about points bet, would you please? I shall. Because the best way to support CHGO, all you cool, wonderful, beautiful people out there, is to download that points bet app and use that code CHGO when you sign up. And if you do that right now, you will get two, count them, one, two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars which i'm told by stefano is absolutely incredible but that's not it if you make a 50 dollar or more first time deposit you will receive a free chgo membership which unlocks all of that web content and you'll even get a free t-shirt of your choice from that chgo locker if you look at the avi on mark k's twitter you'll see him wearing one of those awesome shirts that's two thousand dollars in free bets a free chgo membership a free t-shirt from the chgo locker all for making a fifty dollar or more first time deposit at points bet and introducing that live nba same game parlay because for the first time ever you can build the perfect live nba same game parlay and you can do that only with points bet dramatic pause combine your favorite bets anytime during the game and if you want more you can boost your live same game parlay you can watch live parlay live boost live and partay live all with points bet and now in this beautiful state of illinois in this actual rational okay to deal with weather that's going on here in chicago you can go outside but why would you go there? You can go outside and just look on your phone and download that PointsBet app and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Because once the game starts, you don't just bet. Wheel the three or what you do. You live your bet life. <sighs> PointsBet. But out. All right, guys, moving on. Patrick's defense. Big Dave, C minus. Will, mm-hmm. C minus. Mark, C minus. Myself, <laughs> incomplete. Uh, let's, let's, okay. Each of you pick one thing about Patrick's defense that you were either encouraged or discouraged by in these seven game, uh, 17 games this season compared to what you saw from him on defense his rookie year. Uh, Big Dave, you go first. Uh, I was encouraged that. I was encouraged by his help defense um, because he showed that, you know, in his rookie season, especially when guys are going up, you know, for alley-oops or blocks, he was showing his athleticism that way. He did that again uh, this season as well. He always – that's two straight seasons he's had blocks. I'm like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? I just look at it like, oh, my God, this dude is a freak. And I just freak out at that athleticism and I get excited. But – he just got lost a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was very discouraged about that. Watching how lost he would get on defense. Um, his unball defense, I thought, uh, went down. I thought he was a better unball defender in his rookie year than he was this year. Because um, if you remember, when he was guarding guys like LeBron and he was going up against guys like Kawhi, he was getting that respect from them. They were like, hey, man, this dude's pretty good. Kevin Durant also. They were like, this dude is pretty good. He's pretty solid. He was playing solid defense against those guys. I don't know where that went this year, but it wasn't there uh, for him when he was guarding those guys. Like he was a complete non-factor for me uh, in that sense. So yeah, that was my encouragement. Discount. I see the freak athleticism. It's encouraging. 
Um, I like how he can get the block and start the break. I like that aspect. I saw some of that this year as well. But, yeah, the unballed defense and him getting lost a lot on the floor uh, defensively was was discouraging, and I hope that changes. Will, what about you? Um, I think the – I don't know if it's like a discouraging thing, but I would say the one area where he needs to improve that I think will improve his entire defensive game more than anything else is just his ability to get skinny through screens and just get mm-hmm. over – screens so that he i mean basically what happens is he'll be screened in a pick and roll and he's just out of the play he gets stuck and it's (laughs) and it's one on uh two on one and like if he's able to just like fight over a screen he will be like a very solid defender and then anything more will like turn him into a good or great defender um so i think that is that should be like number one thing that he needs to work on um but to your point, Dave, like there are moments when you saw the flashes, like I think was it the Clipper game where he had the back to back blocks that led to oh um, like a, one, I think, was a layup for Io. And then he had another mm-hmm. layup. Uh, so you see the moments and he was definitely lost at times. But I think that's allowed um, for a player that's really young and for somebody who, you know, didn't really see a ton of minutes. Like I'm, I'm more forgiving of sort of off ball lapses. Um I also like this is kind of just on a on a total uh, tangent, but like this dude is one of the only players I've ever seen in the NBA who gets like rebound highlights, who like flies out of nowhere and gets the ball. And I'm like, oh, my God, he just had a highlight that was a rebound. (laughs) (laughs) Not since the the. It's what like was Dennis Charles' Rodman. nickname? Or the round mound of rebound. Round mound of rebound. rebounds. And he's on the break and he two-handed finish. Oh, he was amazing. So, so to that point, though, what, what do you think Patrick Williams' uh, defensive rebound percentage was this season? Not good enough. <laughs> uh, true. I was maybe hinting or slanting the, uh, the question in that way. But do you think it was higher than Zach Levine's? I oh, mean, God. you're definitely slending at a certain point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guess no, it was not. It was exactly the same, 13.8%. DeMar DeRozan, 13.7%. Uh, Javante Green, 13.6%. Derek Jones Jr., 13.6%. So he has the defensive rebounding highlights because he gets up there and he, when he does bring it down, like, he does smash that ball down into his mitts. So that, like, that is fun to see. But in terms of getting after it and getting rebounds... He's not necessarily better than any of the guards on this team at the moment. Uh, so that's something that, for me, that needs to improve. And where, where you mentioned that maybe you're a little bit more lenient in terms of off-ball defense, like, I'm not. Like, that's, to me, that's a non-negotiable in, in terms of what he needs to bring. Like, fair enough if he can't stop Giannis. Like, let's go to the playoffs. I, I wasn't expecting, you know, Patrick Williams' on-ball defense to be competitive against Giannis or any, insert any star player. Like, to me, that's... That's an unfair expectation for a guy just coming back who has missed most of the season, needs to get his conditioning in, coming up against the, you know, the, the, the best players in the NBA, let's say, from a wing perspective. To me, that's unrealistic. But knowing where you're meant to be in off-ball rotations, to me, that's non-negotiable, particularly when you have been watching from the sidelines. You are sort of doing more film work from that, that perspective. Like You have to be more on point from your off-ball rotations. And to me... So many times I thought he uh, he got lost off ball to the point where, you know, you, you're letting backdoor cuts cut it happening or you're missing a rotation, you were slow to get out to a shooter, whatever the situation may have been. 
Um, and this is just not a comment on Pat. Like this is, this is. I, I just sort of uh, categorize the entire Bulls defense in, in some degree. But he needs to be better in that aspect. And in to your point around the like the screening perspective, if he can get better from a getting around screens and just being a better team defender, then you know he will be a good defender at that point, irrespective of what his on ball defense sort of looks like. So to me, I was expecting a little bit more from a you know, team defense, off-ball defense. The the blocks and the highlights were nice when he would come over from weak side and would, would smash someone like you mentioned, Dave. But he, he did that in his rookie season as well. So it, it wasn't something necessarily that was new, I guess. Um, whereas, you know, had he shown an ability to get over screens or been better off-ball, then that would have been a new addition to his game. But we didn't necessarily see that. Yeah, I think um, if if it were a larger sample size, I would be significantly bummed more so about Patrick's defense than his offense this year, because I think it's attached to my expectations for Pat when the Bulls drafted him fourth overall, which was, all right, this is definitely, uh, you know, more so of a project young one and done player who didn't even start uh, on his college team. Although I think that whole didn't start thing was, you know, overblown. It not didn't necessarily matter as much as people wanted to believe it did, but still I saw him as a, NBA level one through five defender that this Bulls roster desperately needed. And I think we saw glimpses of that his rookie year. And I, I've been more willing to be patient with his offensive game developing as long as his defense was rock solid as rock solid as it can be for a a teenage rookie or a, a second year player who's 20 years old. And again, if it were a much larger sample size, I'd be more concerned than I was, but I was, you know, and I think Dave kind of said this. Like, I was kind of surprisingly disappointed with with Patrick's defense this year in these seventeen games that we saw because I didn't see a whole lot of anything different than what he did last year. Uh, as Will said, you know, he struggled to fight over screens. Help defense was an issue. Mark, you're right. The rebounding, like a couple of highlight rebounds that are cool, but overall not good enough. Big Dave, you said it uh, earlier on. Rebounding not good enough. So. You know, I, I'm more patient with Pat about his offense right now, and I hope that year three will be the year that he puts all of this together and becomes a very viable piece for the Bulls on the defensive end. I, in my opinion, we didn't see it this year, and that was discouraging. Yeah, and I, I feel you on that because you can control, you know, as I say all the time to you, Matt, like you can control effort. You know what I mean? You can't control mm-hmm. if the ball goes in or not, but you can control your effort on defense. You know what I mean? That's up to you. And sometimes you just didn't see him putting in that effort. And that's what was frustrating. And, you know, getting those rebounds, I I equate that with maximum effort. And I just didn't see that. And I know you can do it, which made it, you know, even more frustrating uh, for me watching him kind of take a step back. But again, I didn't see 20 games of him doing it. But it's just it was like that from the first four games to even to when he came back. You know what I mean? There was no real growth there as far as down the defensive end or anything. I was like, I can hang my hat on this. I see him doing better at this or anything like that. But again, I'm not down on him, but I'm just, I'm just telling you what it was. You know what I mean? When, when, when I was watching him play, but yeah, it was, it was kind of discouraging seeing that, but I will say, like I said, it was encouraging watching him do those blocks. And, you know, like Marquette said, I saw him do it his rookie year, Uh, seeing him do it again this year, (laughs) but then seeing him do it like back to back, you know what I mean? And getting me up and excited. It was a joy for me. You know what I'm saying? To, to experience that, watch him do that. And I just want him to kind of take that into year three, which I think is becoming the, th- the theme of Patrick Williams right here. 
Uh, all right. With that, let's move on. Meathead grades. Um, I'm up first. My meathead grade, uh, it looks like H2O, but it's actually just H20. Um, H stands for he's. 20 stands for 20. He's 20. If I have to listen to one more person, and even if that person is Mark, say, well, yeah, but what about Scotty Barnes? I don't care about Scotty Barnes. He's not on my team. I hate the assumption that if Patrick Williams at this age is not as good as X player at that age, then it means that he's a bust and he sucks. 20. Do you know how many years exist between being 20 and being in your NBA prime? He's 20. Meathead grade. He's 20. Can't even buy a beer in Chicago until August. <laughs> Y'all calm down. He's 20. How old is August 26, <laughs> August 26, 2022. Pat will become 21. And I can't wait for that fucking day. <laughs> so I don't have to hear about any more of this bullshit about how he's only 20. He's only 20. I don't care if he's 20, 21, 22, 23. I don't care about your age. Just show me something on the court. That's all I want to see. The only time we ever hear about Patrick Williams being 20 is when people defend him when he's not doing well. If he was playing good, you wouldn't hear anything about his age. You don't hear anything about LaMelo or uh, what's his name? Anthony Edwards being 20 years of age. People young players for being as good as they are, as young as they are all the time. Wow, I can't believe Luka Doncic is only 21. Wow, I can't Jason believe Tatum Jason Tatum is only 19. Is Did only... you guys know that? Yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> Bronze 18. The, the opposite absolutely exists, Mark. Not on the same level. Not on the same level, it doesn't. I mean, you, you, we're too busy talking about the exploits of things they're doing actually well. And the people who only reference Patrick Williams' age, they do so when someone's critical of Patrick Williams. That's the only time you hear, he's only 20. He's only 20. Am I wrong? No. No. Because it's because it's said by people who believe in his future and are trying to be patient with that future. Because not every NBA player is going to develop at the same rate as others. Well, I mean, with that sense, Kobe's only twenty-two. Kobe's only twenty-two. Like, I mean, does that stop us from having grand opinions of what his his career trajectory is likely to yep. be? Because I think we've seen a lot more and a lot larger of a sample size of what Kobe White NBA player is than what we've seen from Pat, who basically just missed his entire second season. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just pointing out that we pick and choose when we like to uh, reference someone's age and, and when we don't, and when when it's convenient to do so. I guess that's my only point. I, I don't, I don't disagree that this whole, you know, Pat needs to be comparable to Scotty Barnes because they both went to FSU. They're both number four picks and they're both similar age. Like that is not what I'm arguing. Like, that, 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 that's, that doesn't annoy me. What annoys me is when we come to Pat's defense to say he's only 20 and we'll be doing so when he's like in seven years in his career. He's only 25. His prime's still ahead of him. I'm sure that'll still be happening. I think the the thing there is like people either see you know, Scotty Barnes or Kate Cunningham or Evan Mobley or Josh Giddy come in and be really impactful players when they're 20 years old and it's their rookie season um, or Lamella Ball or Anthony Edwards or, you know, Luca or Trey Young or any of these like, you know, players that are really good at a really young age. And you think, well, Patrick was also a high pick. Why isn't he turning into something like this? And I get that. And then you also have people who are saying, well, Jimmy Butler didn't like turn into anything until he was 24 or 25 in his fourth year and Thibodeau finally started playing him. So I agree with you, Matt, there that like, um, 
that it's just not it's not linear you know like you don't just like start getting good at 20 and then by 27 you're in your prime like it just it happens differently for everybody i think for me again it comes back to like these flashes and am i seeing enough out of these moments are they frequent enough for me to believe that they're real when they happen and i think that's why you're seeing c minuses for me across the board because it's just like happening not as much as I think it needs to for me to feel confident in saying that he's like going to be this all-star caliber player that I think the Bulls hope and kind of need him to turn into. Um, so for me, my my meathead grade was uh, what was it? Four a.m. Uh, four four a.m. Yeah, so that's what time tomorrow's going to be waking him up in the morning to <laughs> do their little workouts in uh, in L.A. And I think this is like everybody's kind of alluded to it, like into year three, getting into year three, like this is going to be the most important summer of his career, I think. And he needs to learn how to be like the talent. There's some talent there. Obviously there's some athleticism there. Obviously he needs to learn how to be a professional this year. And Mm. I'm not saying he doesn't take it seriously, but like he needs to learn how to learn the game. He needs to learn how to develop himself as a player. Like he can't rely on anybody else. He needs to like, you know, work with Damar, see how, see how Damar has basically like figured out how to master his own game Mm. and get on that right track. So for me, it kind of like, it starts here where you've seen some of the stuff, not enough in my opinion. And this is like, this is go time. This is like phase one. And if we get into next season and we're still not seeing it, that's going to be really disappointing for me. I'll tell you who I'm more concerned about in this, anything is C red Ted, because when he turns 20 years old, (laughs) And he's wondering why his dad is mad at him all the damn time. He's gonna understand why he's just gonna play this back. Like you better he's get only twenty. Why don't you get months. your shit together? <laughs> Look, if C Red Ted gets drafted for by the Chicago Bulls at number four, and people are, are saying he's only twenty, I guarantee you at that point I'll be one of those people that are saying he's only twenty. <laughs> in, in that occasion, I will allow it. But for Patrick Williams, no, I don't want to hear about it. Not my kid. Not my problem. Uh, so, so what? I don't think you touched on specifically what your meathead grade was, Mark. Passive no, P. No, I, I was too busy yelling at you. Um, yeah, passive <laughs> P. This, this, this speaks to Will's point that that he last sort of ended there on there, like, and and you know, thinking about next season. I, I just don't want to hear about. I don't, I don't want the conversation anymore to be about Pat being aggressive or he needs to be more willing to get off ball or more willing to get on ball, more willing to you know shoot threes or just just shoot more generally. I, I just don't want that to be something that we have to discuss again. Like, mm. even if he's not a, you know, a primary option, if, if he, so, you know, so be it. So, so long as he is taking advantage of the the attempts that come his way and we don't, we don't have to think about, you know, why, where is this dude? Is he, is he part of the offense? Why is he not, <laughs> why is he not doing anything? Like, is this him? Is it Billy? Is it the scheme or any of that sort of stuff? Is it, is it teams freezing him out? Like, I, I just don't want that to be the, the conversation anymore. I want that to be eradicated, and I just want to judge this dude based on what he's what he's putting out there, and and it being a maximum effort. And I don't think that has been necessarily the case in the, his first two seasons. I think just his approach has maybe held him back some. Um, I don't think it's been the coach or the scheme or anything like that. That's my personal opinion. I think there's always going to be room for Pat to do his thing. So I just don't want that to be part of the conversation anymore because, you know, I'm hopeful that it it, it doesn't have to be part of the conversation because he comes out and just. You know, at least B is a good role player offensively and, and does some stuff that we can. We, we all just think be a do. 
basketball player. Like, just go out there and like be a player. He's just a ball something. Will. <laughs> Give me what I saw against the Clippers. You only took four shots against the Clippers, but well, I mean, he didn't have a shot in the first half. So I was about to say I wasn't. I didn't complain that game, but that's not true. I did complain in the first half because he was he didn't take a field goal. But who he was in that second half is exactly who I want to see. And that didn't. He didn't do anything special. I, I all he did was spot up from corner threes and move off ball. And and he did so and so so effective. He scored ten points in that second half. That's all I want. The baseline is extremely low, but if you can do that consistently for me, Pat, we don't have to have any conversations about you being passive or lack of aggressiveness, all that sort of nonsense. I just don't want to hear it anymore. Dave, meathead grade. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And that's why my meathead grade was Y3, which which means basically year three. Because um, I think that's a wrap, <laughs> you know what I mean, for all of this conversation right now. Because everything is being put in front of you to grow what we see that you're lacking. So you're like, okay, you need your aggressiveness. Okay, you need to learn to you know, get your rebounding up. Your defense needs to be better. You need to just be that kind of better basketball player for the Chicago Bulls. Well, we'll send you out here with DeMar DeRozan, one of the best players in the league. And we're going to let you spend the summer with him. And we're going to have you around Billy Donovan, one of the best coaches in the league, one of the best coaching minds in the league. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to change your diet. We're going to have you up, like Will said, at 4 a.m. You know, we're going to be pounding you and getting you together. So when you come back for training camp, you, you better be ready. You know what I mean? Like, and, and Mark's right. Like, it's, that discussion has to end after after this year. That's what year three has to be for Patrick Williams. I I don't want that discussion anymore about his aggressiveness. I'd rather have it that he went 0 for 10. You know what I'm saying? I, I'd rather have that discussion. Oh, you know what we mean? saw that in uh, in game three against the Bucks, where he was 0 for 9 with a 1 Yeah, point, but that so wasn't a discussion. I don't really want to have because, that either. <laughs> no, no, no. That wasn't a discussion because that ass whooping was on from the beginning. That, that don't even count. You know what I'm saying? That was, I'm just saying I'd rather have that than saying no, he wasn't I'm, I'm aggressive with you. enough. You know what I mean? He wasn't even trying or he kept passing and he kept being passive in it and he wasn't getting those rebounds. All that shit got to cease. You know what I'm saying? Coming into year three, man. So he'll be judged a little differently, especially by me uh, going into year three because now he's getting all the tools and the people behind him to get him to that point that I think he should be at. And I'm not thinking he should be at it like an all-star elite level where he's 20 and 10. Or something like that. I just want to see that you understand the rhythm of the game and you know when to do it within the time to do it in the game. You see, get ball, see who, shoot ball because it's within the rhythm. Ball comes off rim, go get it, get the rebound, help defense weak side, go do that. Like just the simplicity, you know what I'm saying? Like of the game. I want him to get those things down, the fundamentals. I need him to be, you know, good at those things. And then I can judge him probably the years after as far as him being whatever he might be after that. But as far as like confidence and aggressiveness and all that, that's got to be wiped out in the summer, man, because we're going to need him coming into year three. That they will. Uh, Pat, under contract next season, the Bulls exercise their team option for $7.7 million. That's his salary in year three. Uh, I would say it is basically a – Sure thing. Essentially a lock that Patrick Williams will be back in a Bulls jersey next oh, season. Yeah. I don't think AK and Eversley are going to do anything crazy that involved giving up on their first draft pick after taking these jobs with the Bulls. Um, all right. Uh, before we get out of here, we will touch on the big news of Jokic repeating as NBA MVP. We will get to that in just a minute. But first, one more quick reminder to all of you out there. 
that if you enjoy CHGO and what we're doing, one way you can be a big help to us and help us continue to grow is to download that PointsBet app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you getting those two Stefano-approved risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our amazing exclusive web content, all of our stuff from Mr. Will Gottlieb, Mark Kay's columns. I'm doing columns on the regular every Friday, plus all of your other Chicago teams. If you're a Chicago sports fan across the board, everybody on our amazing staff at CHGO, get all their exclusive content. Uh, and in case you missed it, online signup is available. As Dave said, in Illinois, you can download the PointsBet app right now. Register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. Any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we will help you out. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Mark K., I can't stay mad at you. Tell me what the, tell the people what to do. They live their bet life, Matthew. There it is. But if you're 20, you can't. So Patrick Williams, <laughs> you can't live your bet life. But when he's 21 on August 26, no longer do we have to hear about him being 20, but he can go out there. And <laughs> Maybe and start, he can't because he's a start gambling player. on Bulls games. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. I think we should check in on Mark K on August 26. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm sure, like he's he probably already has the tweet drafted and scheduled <laughs> for for midnight on August 26. And if he doesn't, he does you now. Know, yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Right. The article is ready. He's ready to go, man. I, I don't have the tweet drafted, but I've got it on my list of things that are potentially going to draft and schedule. So you, you know me oh, too well. Well, yeah, <laughs> but because one of my favorite things about Bulls Twitter is when you have a screenshot of our pal. There's always a tweet. And how many of those, I wonder, are just like backlogged and ready to go, like fully, fully loaded into the tape, ready to fire off as soon as Fred is officially proven to be an idiot once again. A little while that's often, so uh, right. I'm sure that'll be uh, happening more frequently going forward. Hasn't the past week or so been so nice? And then I was like, oh, now you know him. who is off of Twitter. Y'all miss him and you know it. Stop it. Y'all miss that man. You know, I it. mean, we're, we're still trashing each other on WhatsApp, so I'm I haven't oh, missed shit. out on anything to be honest. With you. <laughs> I'm still sending his screenshots via WhatsApp, so um, <laughs> not, nothing's changed for us. <laughs> well, I, ha- I have found out though that he doesn't listen to this podcast. Mm. What, what a joke! Too, too painful. Too pa- I don't too know. I don't know what his story is, but yeah, we'll have to. Maybe, correct he, that maybe he can forward. stomach just me or just you, but not both of us. Maybe, maybe he hasn't figured out how to actually listen to uh, podcasts on on uh, you know iPhones or whatever. Maybe his cellular device just doesn't have that ability. Maybe he's still rocking like their Nokia from 1995 oh, or something like that. Would so. not at all, all right. be surprised if Fred has a flip phone. I still love you, Fred. My God, bro. We all you. love you, Fred, in case you are listening. All right, guys. So um, was, it, was, it, was it Sunday afternoon or was it this morning when the uh, official announcement this came this morning from what, Today, yeah. that Nikola Jokic officially has repeated as the NBA's regular season most valuable player. Kudos to him. Am I crazy, or did some other usually reputable source have something about, like, oh, Embiid's going to be named the MVP, like, a week ago? And then everybody was like, oh, just kidding. It wasn't Woj, and it wasn't Shams, but somewhere circulating was like, oh, Embiid's going to win. And I was like, 
What? Well, you you lost me right there when you said it wasn't Woj. Right. Well, which is why I never play. believed it to be true. Right. But a whole <laughs> bunch of people on NBA Twitter were like, "Oh my God, Embiid's actually going to win." No. Keep your keep the alerts for the real people on. Um, I know we've talked about this a couple of times before, Dave. I know you and I have had conversations about this at length. Mm-hmm. Um, any thoughts? Any any of you take serious issue with Jokic repeating as league MVP? I don't. Nope. I don't. I don't take any issue with. It. He was my whole argument. I kept saying he's deserving. Like it was either him, Giannis, or Embiid, and they were all super duper deserving of winning mm-hmm. the award. So. No, I have no issue with him winning it, man. Like, the numbers back it up. He's an incredible basketball player. Like, anytime I can argue that your passing skills are on level with Jason Kidd, and it's a valid argument, like, you're really, really good. You know what I'm saying? That's your job and what you do. So, no, kudos to him, man. He's back-to-back MVP, man. Shout out to him. It's a very impressive feat in the history of the game. I couldn't tell you exactly off the top of my head how many people have went back-to-back, but I can tell you it's not very many. And the uh, ones that 15. have have been 15. 15. The ones that have are just like, you know, it's Michael, it's Magic, it's Larry, it's right. Russell, it's Wilt, it's, Jokic, it's Giannis, it's LeBron. Um, Magic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the list is, you know, of the premier players in the history of the game. And I think Jokic is kind of creeping into that list. Um, I think he clearly did the most with the least. And I don't know if that's kind of how the the award should be assigned. Like, you, I don't know if you should necessarily get, like, punished for having good teammates. Um, but from start to finish, what he did for that Nuggets team was just outrageous. I think there really wasn't a wrong answer in terms of whether it was Embiid, uh, Jokic, or Giannis. Any of them could have won. I wouldn't have been mad if, you know, Giannis or Embiid won. But I do think Jokic was the most deserving um he's just an absolute freak he's amazing he's so much fun to watch he's so good more impact i think on winning than just about any player in the league right now and he's just so incredibly fun to watch too um he became a very solid defender this year his passing is obviously you know as good as it gets in the nba not just among centers not just among like nba history centers but like players of all time and um he really started to like score at a high level this year. So I think he just had an incredibly complete season played at such a high level. Um, I think he, he wins it for sure. Yeah. To me, he was the obvious choice. Uh, And I say that because, you know, for the Nuggets to have 48 wins, um, the, the, the whole standings conversation meant nothing to me because, you know, irrespective of the Bucks being third and fourth and and the Nuggets were six in their respective conferences, like there was a three game separation between them. So you, you mentioned there, Will, like you, you don't want to punish the Bucks and the Sixers for having better teammates, but at the same time, like they do have better teammates and they have to have more than 51 wins if a guy like Jokic, who's, you know, breaking all advanced metrics, uh, is literally there in the same number of wins, basically. So from that perspective, uh, he ticked all the boxes from a narrative point of view, from for me at least, the numbers, everything. Um, so he was the MVP in my in, in my opinion. I'm glad he got it. Um, I'm glad that's going to make some talking heads mad. I don't understand. I guess the, the, the thing that annoys me most about this whole thing is why why is the MVP announced before some of these other awards? Like uh, either do it first or do it last. Why are you doing it sort of in the middle? Like um, I'm pretty sure yeah. they haven't done Coach of the Year yet, have they? they, Ma- they Monty they Williams was Monty officially Williams. named, but mm-hmm. it happened after Jokic named, being named MVP. Okay. Right. Yeah, so... Great, 
like I don't know like maybe it's just the way it's done now but like it just kind of felt like there wasn't much significance to this in in in, in some sense like it just you know uh, Woj dropped a tweet and, and there it is sort of thing but like I, I would kind of like them to lead off with the MVP or make it a big thing and close with the MVP but I don't know it doesn't seem like it has been that thing maybe it's because the, the MVP discourse was so so huge and <laughs> Uh, so chaotic and, and bad at times during this year that people sort of over it at this point anyway. So I don't know, but that was kind of Mark, the way you I just, sort of deal you with You got to find a problem with something. Like they get the award right, you're finally on board and you just had to find a problem with something. <laughs> I'm a glass half empty kind of guy. Why are you no. really just figuring this out? Damn, you're right. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking on that level. You're absolutely right. Damn. There's levels to it, Dave. But now, that, but now that's all of them, right? So we know that... All uh, NBA teams, I think, are left. So all, all NBA has not been yet. But so we know that Marcus Smart won DPOY. We know that Tyler Hero yeah, won Sixth Man of the enough. Year, MVP, and uh, and Coach of the Year. That Am I missing anything? Other than the all NBA lists. But I think that's everything. Scotty um, Barnes, rookie of the year. Un- oh, rookie of the year, right? Black Pack couldn't do. I mean, what? Ex- executive of the year. I, have we learned executive of the year yet? Scotty Barnes is only twenty. <laughs> All right. And real quick, shout out though for real to Monty Williams for winning Coach of the Year because I thought he should have won it last year as well. But he was incredible at the job he has done with Phoenix, man. And again, you know what I say, Matt. He is coach of the millennium. Yeah. For what he's done with Cameron Payne, he is coach <laughs> of the millennium. All right. C O T M. My only question is, he got something out of campaign. Why couldn't he get anything out of Chandler Hutchison? Tip 2.0. What's the deal there? Then he would be walking on water then. We need answers, Monty. (laughs) One can't show you he's completely perfect. One man's trash is another man's also (laughs) trash. Um, yeah, uh, I, I am in agreement with you guys. I think it, it was a very tight race between Embiid, Giannis, and Jokic. Would have been perfectly fine if it went to Embiid uh, or Giannis, but I am with Will in that I think Jokic was just by by a hair the most deserving when you talk about doing the most with the least. Not only being without Murray for the entirety of that season, but then also losing Michael Porter Jr. I mean, no offense to those Nuggets teammates of Jokic's, but boy talking about doing doing a lot with with a little um before we get out of here guys so we saw over the weekend two uh series go to one and then on sunday two series get tied up at two mavs and sixers both getting wins sunday both of those series are tied at two tonight like right as we're about to wrap up these recordings we'll tip off the first of the tnt double header we got Two more game fours, Celtics Bucks and then Grizz Warriors. Do either or both of these series get tied up tonight, gentlemen? Dave, you go. Oh, man. Uh, I think the Bucks win this game. I just saw Robert Williams is going to be out. Uh, he's not playing. Uh, that's a huge blow. Uh, Giannis is getting into that God mode <laughs> right about now where he's, so he's dropping good. that 40-plus. <laughs> it's, it's getting scary. It's a scary time for him, so – yeah, and in the other game, no, I don't – you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if it got tied up, but I don't think it will be. I think it will be 3-1, but you know how good Memphis has been all season long without uh, John Morant. But, again, this is the playoffs. It's a whole different beast. Uh, but I think, no, I think it will be 3-1 in both of those series, I think. Did, didn't Pat say that that uh, Giannis isn't a god? Isn't that something 
that he said during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've forgotten it now, but we can tie it all back in there. He can still go God mode, though. I think that was the... Go God <laughs> mode without being God, so this is true. <laughs> this is true. There you go. He puts his pants on like the rest of us. But Giannis is only 20, though, from what I understand. Yeah, August 26. <laughs> okay, that's what happened. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I have no idea what to make of this Bucks celtics uh, series, to be honest with you. I thought the, the, the Celtics would... Not, not pants the Bucks, but look like the, the much better team, but that hasn't necessarily been the case. And and you mentioned it there, Dave, like without Robert Williams, uh, like that's concerning. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks do go up 3-1 because of the Giannis factor. He's clearly been the best player in that series. And to me, with Jai, assuming he doesn't play, which it sounded like he wasn't going to play, then the, the Grizzlies have no chance. They've, despite what their their record was in the um, in the regular season without Jai, I'm pretty sure they're being outscored with uh, Morant off the floor versus the Warriors in this series. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm assuming that one goes 3-1 as well. So, yeah, unfortunate for the Grizzlies, but um, they probably never really had a chance, ideally anyway, against the Grizz- uh, Sorry, the the, uh, the Warriors. But, um, you know, that's going to be all put to bed anyway if, if Morant's... If, if he truly is out. Yeah, I uh, definitely think the Warriors take this one and probably win in five at this point. Um, honestly, even kind of regardless of Jai, I think they just kind of figured yeah. it out. I know they shot like yeah. 79% from the field in that last game, but um, I think they just kind of have their number at this point. Um, I also kind of don't know what to make of the Celtics Bucks thing. I think the Celtics win tonight. I don't know why. I don't know if I have any reason for it, but I just think this series is going seven, seven. And I think these teams are approximately the same and the shooting has just been like on fire for one team and freezing cold for the other. And that just keeps flipping. And I think the Celtics just get hot tonight. So um, I'm probably going to be really wrong about that, but that's kind of where my gut is. (laughs) I think works, I think you're not going to be wrong. I think you're going to be exactly right on that. I'm taking the Celtics tonight. Um, you mentioned the, the weird shooting trends. The Bucks and Celtics as a team both shot poop from behind the three-point line, almost identically so. The uh, the Celtics were 9 of 33 from downtown. The, the Bucks were 9 of 34. You want to know why I still believe in the Boston to win game four and this series? Giannis needed 42-12 and 8 in game three Ooh. to get that win. Meanwhile, Tatum. Tatum went four yeah. of 19, and the Celtics lost by two. Give me the Celtics. Give me the Celtics. Give me the Celtics. Also, to hell with the Bucks. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I'm with you guys. Sadly, I think that Warriors-Grizzly series is oh, not going to be the uh, fireworks that we wanted it to be. I think Jaws uh, leading them to victory was kind of like DeMar leading the Bulls to their one victory in that series. Kind of that similar. game was wild. That was, was like... like Wait, Rocky okay. and Apollo Creed just we should we should probably not <laughs> let this one guy beat us, and then the Warriors will proceed to not let Ja beat them, even if, as you guys said, he's able to be out there, which will be a huge bummer if he's not. Um, all right, that's it. We are out of time. We will be back tomorrow with a fresh episode in studio. Will in studio. Yay, yay. See that Mark? live in studio. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Maybe one day. Keep, I'm going to keep pestering you until you get your butt to Chicago. Start right? the GoFundMe, Chicago. definitely do that. I know Start the GoFundMe. <laughs> one day, maybe. One day, maybe. Uh, and we'll continue on with our player evaluations. We're going to have Alex Caruso on deck for tomorrow's show. In studio, live on YouTube, 3 p.m. Chicago time. We will see you there. In the meantime, Will... 
just dropped his written evaluation mm-hmm. of Nikola Vucevic and his player grades in written form on the All CHGO website. Go check that out if you haven't already. Will's going to be dropping those sort of uh, in tandem after we have these podcast versions of our player grades and evaluations. Uh, follow Will on Twitter at Won't Got Lee. Mark is at MK Hoops. Big Dave is at BowBAWL Sports on Bulls and Score Pack. We collectively are CHGO underscore Bulls. Go follow that main account if you haven't already. Until next time, Bulls Nation, appreciate you tuning in. See Red, be good.